Welcome to the Run Run Live 4.0 podcast, where we plumb the daily adventure of endurance sports. Let us seize this precious moment together and squeeze the life from it like a golden lemon sent to us fresh today from the emissaries of the gods. Terribly happy guy Then he ate a moldy pumpkin pie Then he thought that he just couldn't die So Ned, he laughed so hard and made him Hello and welcome to the Run Run Live podcast. My name is Chris and I'll be your host. My friends, I hope you are well. For my longtime core listeners, we're trying to move into a new phase of this podcast. I have transferred the RSS feed over to ACAST, which means, well, actually for you folks, it means nothing. You won't see any difference. But in the process of cleaning and consolidating, I'm going to post up all the historic shows that I've ever done. Uh, that may take a while. It's amazing how much the technology of podcasting has changed since I started in 2007. It's also amazing how much we've changed, huh? I don't know about you, but I'm old. How about you? You old? Or do we say seasoned or experienced? But I'm not dead, so that's something. I may smell like I'm dead, but I'm not. And I'm slow. And I'm no longer indestructible. <laughs> Shocker, right? Who would have known? But I am running. In fact, I will be running the Marine Corps Marathon this weekend, which I am thrilled about. I am old, slow, fragile running, but pain-free. The knee is, it's still soft. It's weak, but it's coming around. It's a new day. I'm grateful for the opportunity to work hard, to do worthy things, to fail. And then, of course, to learn from those failures. So going forward with the podcast, I only have so much time in my life. And for now, I'm still working a seemingly full-time job, but one could argue that point as well. In the old days, I estimated that each podcast took about eight hours to create and produce. And I choose not to do that right now. Because uh, with those eight hours, I'm using those to do another podcast, my apocalyptic audio narrative. After the apocalypse, uh, it's a passion project, an itch that I wanted to scratch my entire life. And with the pandemic and my recent knee injury, I made the pivot. Interestingly enough, I write an outro section for that podcast that you might find, well, you know, interesting because it's similar to the first person storytelling format I used in Run Run Live all those years. Uh, I might be able to write and produce some short pieces for Run Run Live, which is which is what I'm going to do, at least to keep you up to date, my friends. 
Mainly, it impressed me as I was digging through the moldy old Run Run Live archives last week that there was value there. I helped people. I was a friend. I was an advisor, however imperfect. And hopefully I changed some people's lives for the better, at least more than I changed for the worse with all the misinformation. (laughs) So with that, my friends, keep your ears tuned and I will continue to serve. Reach out to me, please. You know, I'm here. Tell me your Run Run Live story. You know the email address. It's CYKT Russell. Repeat after me. That's Chris Yellow King Tom. <laughs> Chris Yellow King Tom Russell with two S's and two L's. Stay well. Look for me at the Marine Corps Marathon this weekend. And maybe, just maybe, I'll see you out there. It is when we learn to leave our comfort zone that we find ourselves communing with our inner strength. You folks know I like to to write and I like to tell stories. So I wrote something for you this week. It's called The Old Man and the Marathon. I'm a big fan of Ernest Hemingway. Not the macho, bullfighting, alcoholic Ernest Hemingway. The writer, not the man, the word, the sentence, and the paragraph. Although, truth be told, I do appreciate the need for outsized characters in this plain Jane world of ours, characters who we can live through vicariously and show us that there can be ribaldry, glamour, and worthiness in pursuit of that perfect sentence. We have a soft spot, it would seem, for swashbucklers and pirates. These caricatures do us great service as cardboard cutouts that we can try on for size and play at. But the writing. I remember the first time I read Big Two-Hearted River. I was in college. Therefore, I was young, ignorant, and facile. But, of course, thought I was the smartest being in the universe. The story, it made an impression on me. It was a study in using simple language to intensify the power of that language. The writing was hard-edged and powerful and beautiful, like a bonsai tree that had been trimmed to its perfect core truth. And I remember reading Old Men in the Sea one day, sometime later. I woke up at a friend's house and it was lying around. I picked it up and read it. It's only 26,000 words, hardly even a novella. And it's a good read, probably not as good as everyone would have you think. It won the Pulitzer. But that was because the literary world, by this point, knew they owed Hemingway something for the weight of his work on the world, the profound impact. Santiago, the unlucky Cubano who catches the marlin, says in that work, a man can be destroyed but not defeated. A man can be destroyed, but he cannot, will not, should not be defeated. Why? Because the unlucky fools among us know that there is no destination. We know this because we got to the end, and they kicked us out, ungracefully, to the muddy curb, and we found nothing there. We live for the ride. We need to look out the window and sway sensuously to the music on the radio. We need to live, not just chase, 
Sorry, folks, got lost in my tendency to flowerize the language. Flowerize is a word I just made up, but that's perfectly okay. Shakespeare is said by some to have invented over 10,000 New English words. Santiago was a fisherman. Even when he could not catch the fish, he still got up every day and went out to fish. I'm a marathoner, and this weekend I will return to the marathon. I would not call it a triumphant return. I might even say that the Mako sharks of age have left me with a skeleton of ability but I feel strangely sanguine, strangely optimistic, and overridingly happy, like I'm going home again. With apologies to Thomas Wolfe. Hold on, Chris, you shout peevishly. You were going to talk about the marathon, and now you're giving us a poor literature lesson. What gives bucko? Who, me? Hey, The journey of this podcast over the last 20 years has been my journey. I take my investment in good books, well-read, quite seriously. And where else am I going to use this stuff? Fourth wall, broken. How did I get from a career-ending knee injury to lining up for an honest-to-goodness marathon this weekend? Well, there's a story. A story with striving, depression, chaos, daring do. Actually, no, it's just a run-of-the-mill story. But I'll tell you. I'll tell you anyhow. It manifested at the end of February in 2020. Many forces came together. But one thing manifested. The forces were me training hard for yet another Boston Marathon. And I don't know if you remember this but a potentially world-ending plague had settled in for a cozy vacation that had us all locked in our houses, scowling nervously at our neighbors. Well, anyhow, I went out for a run. I was in pretty good shape. I had been maintaining a good level of fitness since the AFib ablation episode incident of 2015. And I managed to requalify a couple times, but honestly, I was carrying an ever-increasing load of ennui, ennui. The little death, how many times could I throw myself at the marathon? Why should I? Where was the exit? Frankly, I was psychologically looking for that ever-elusive soft landing. I had run a hundred miler for lack of anything better to do, and I was 58. On that second-to-last hill repeat, on that cool morning in the spring of my discontent, and let's just say right here and now that second-to-last is the correct use of the word penultimate. On that penultimate hill repeat, on that same old stretch of hilly road that I had been doing hill repeats on in servitude of the Boston Marathon for 20-something years, something popped and there was a sharp pain in my knee. And the doctor said it was similar to a stress fracture, a deep bruise in the knob on the end of the bone. It might heal. It might not. Many appointments later, many thousands of dollars pumped into the rigged slot machine that is the American medical system, and there was no clarity, and there was no 
thing that I could do to make it better. There was only a knee that still hurt and no real solution other than the unspoken prognosis, the elephant in the room of, you're old. And of course, you go through the cycle. I went through the cycle. You all know the cycle. Maybe a couple weeks off, maybe some rehab. But then it goes on and on and on. It never gets better, and you lose hope. People disparage the concept of hope. But I think hope is the spark that enables all that slavish discipline you're so proud of. I tried to come back. I tried to walk run. But every time I tried something, the knee would complain. I trained using the walk run for the Flying Pig Marathon in 2021. I had always wanted to run the pig. But the knee fought back and I downgraded to the half marathon and limped through it. And after that, I came to terms with the fact that I was probably done running. I had found the bottom. I started trying to wrap my head around being done. I rolled it around in my head. What would that mean? What was next? How would I fill this hole? I tried to cultivate a love of cycling and weightlifting, but let's, let's face it, those are poor substitutes. And yoga, let's not forget the yoga, all the yoga. I was forced to let running go. And this thing that had been such a big part of my life, this thing that had brought me so many gifts, so many adventures, so many friends, and although I was empty, I was also very full, full of memories, full of gratitude, full of your friendships. Then one morning, as I was doing the social media dance that we cowards do when we are afraid to do the real things in the real world, I saw that my friend, your friend, Anne, had charity bibs for the Marine Corps Marathon. Coach... And Anne and I started joking about it. None of us were running. Someone dared someone. Coach said, if you run, I'll train you. So I accepted the bet, climbed back on the horse, as it were. But this time it was different. I had survived the reset and was starting fresh. I had let go. I had no expectations. I would take whatever the process gave me. What would it give me? The knee was sore. It was weak. It was soft. What would it give me? So Coach and I started working. The first challenge was volume. How much could I stand? And we settled on three runs a week. When it hurt, I stopped. I discovered that the knee was most angry about running up hills. So I adapted almost the entire training cycle to be run on flat, even ground. I found a new passion for the flatness of the rail trail. I took what it gave me. I was tired after a couple of miles. I was fat. I was slow. I walked a lot, but I was happy. And I worked my way up from zero to an hour of running. And when I got there, I realized if this was all I got, I would be so happy. I remembered the gift, the joy of being out there of feeling the morning air on your face and the leaves underfoot. Funny story. Last week, I took Ollie the Collie to the vet for his annual checkup, and they pronounced him fit as a fiddle and noted that he had lost some weight. 
Yes, he had. So had I. We were running again, and we were happy. And over the course of four to five months, I slowly, slowly got a little bit of my base back. Consistency is the key in anything. I was slow, but I could now run continuously for an hour and 20 minutes without gaping like a fish out of water. The next challenge was the quality. As a race approaches, all of us veterans know you need some structured quality. Hills were out. So the coach started to mix in some tempo runs. Run easy for an hour, finish the last 20 minutes hard. Accelerate and push the pace as you climb the ladder of the run. I didn't push any real speed work, but work the tempo. Like an old piece of scrap iron. Red from the forge. My body started to remember. Man and dog locked in the eternal battle with gravity on a trip that has no destination. But I was not a slave to the training. I worked in an all-day mountain hike. I worked in a hundred-mile bike ride with my buddies. I ate what I wanted, and I didn't worry too much about the pounds. Twelve weeks off from the race, the knee was good. Not strong, but not painful. Now we had a new challenge. My longest run had been ten-ish miles. You can't run a marathon without some long runs. You can, but it isn't pretty. So we began to climb the ladder in the Sunday long runs. 15 miles, no problem. Last couple, a bit of a struggle. 16 miles, no problem. Still struggling a bit at the end. Time to change strategy. So once again, I had to work with what I had. For my 18-miler, I decided to work in a one-minute walk every 10 minutes. And finally, a 20-mile run capped off my campaign three weeks out, and I finished strong and happy. I can still do it. The knee is good. I'm not struggling as long as I work within my constraints. And the hay is in the barn. I've lost a minute or so off my pace. I haven't been able to do much leg strength work at all because of the knee. But surprisingly, these last few tempo runs have seen some relatively faster paces for where I am and what I have. And that poses some interesting questions and opportunities for the future. But I am so confident and happy. I am so grateful to be able to ride this horsey ride again. The sharks may have destroyed my mackerel, but they have not defeated me. The truth to this story, hidden in there like a worm in the heart of a dog, is that I was able to get this back because I gave it up. I let it go, and it came back to me. It's not our bodies that fail, it's our expectations that fail us. No one cares how fast you go. No one cares how many medals are in your bottom drawer under the old bib numbers and sign posters and sweat-stained hats. Gifts cannot be taken. Gifts can only be received. I may not be indestructible, but I'm timeless and I'm alive. Okay, now we're going to move you towards the exit, please. That's it, folks. You have found your way back to the end of yet another Run Run Live podcast. I'm going to probably call this episode 480, 5-480. 
is what I'm going to call this. We're going to we're going to start there. And if you're one of my old friends, reach out and say hi. If you're new to the show, go back and sample some of the history to <laughs> catch up on what we're all about here. On reflection, I find that friends are the most important thing we carry with us in this journey. So bear with me as I sort out all the history and the technology and try to get back to dropping some content. And wish me luck in D.C., and I'll see you out there. And then he thought that he just couldn't die. So Ned, he laughed so hard it made him cry.